At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Get a Grip podcast. I am your host, Shane Bacon. It is Ryder Cup week. Solon Cup was just divine. Divine viewing. I was in Florida doing the Corn Ferry event. And it was nice. Our broadcast window was 3 to 6 p.m., so I'd get up in the morning and watch some Solheim Cup, and that Sunday singles was epic. And what a primer for this week in the Ryder Cup. You know, you get a taste and a feel of the team environment and everybody going bananas on the golf course, and it rolls right into one of the more anticipated events in all of golf. After one of my favorite events in all of golf, sign me up. Very happy I'm home this weekend, by the way. I've been on the road a lot lately. This is a very nice weekend to be able to get home and wake up early and tiptoe out of the room, try not to wake up the wife and try not to wake up any kids and go downstairs and watch a little bit of golf. Uh, speaking of watching golf, before we get to Joel Beal from Golf Digest, who's in Rome and chatted about the golf course and the media shuttle and who he thinks is going to win and a lot of things, I wanted to let you know a series we just published with our really good friends at Scratch. I'm sure you've seen Scratch's stuff all over social media and the internet over the years. They do a fabulous job. Really one of my my favorite media companies in all of golf. So cool to team up with Scratch and that team, Sam and everybody. Awesome, awesome group of people. We did a, a three-part series called Loop Life. It was sponsored by FedEx. It was awesome to be a part of. Went out to Wisconsin, shot three episodes. The idea behind the series was to give a look into the different worlds of caddying. So we did the first episodes at Whistling Straits. And, you know, you kind of think about Whistling Straits. You're going to play a lot of different golf courses. You're going to have the same caddy. Then we went to Blue Mound, which is a Seth Rayner course right outside of Milwaukee. One of my favorite courses in all of the United States. Did an episode there, focused on a little bit more on kind of the Evans Scholars. I actually caddy for nine holes. Uh, that was a, a blast from the past, by the way. Episode two is out, and then episode three is going to drop soon, and that is from Aaron Hills, and that had a little bit of a wrinkle. I will let you watch that versus me explain it to you because it was a fun wrinkle. But if you go to the Scratch YouTube page, you can watch all the, all the episodes. The first two are available, third coming out very soon. But the episode in the series is called Loop Life. Very fun big fan of what we did there we're hoping to do more of that in 2024 and beyond so uh dive into that if you're itching for some content this week before friday in the Ryder cup check out loop life on the youtube page you can go to instagram and all that good stuff but uh do that watch it let me know what you think because we're really proud of it and uh, a, a big thanks to sam and scratch and fedex and everybody for allowing me to uh host such a cool series and kind of bring back the the caddy days of of my of yesteryear if you will um but yeah, that's all I got for you. Big week, obviously, ahead of us with the Ryder Cup. So let's get to Joel. He's in Rome. Uh, I wanted to have him on just to chat about the golf course uh, that we don't know a ton about, um, what to expect with some of the pairings, some of the singles matchups we hope to see, and who we both think are going to win. Uh, so here you go, Joel Beal. Hey, Joel Beal. How are you? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great. Um 
so I'm always interested on the hat choice of people that go across the pond. Um, you're if people that are just listening to this, you're wearing a a black and white Cincinnati Reds hat. Is that right? It is. Uh, as I was just telling you, I'm I'm in mourning right now. Uh, the America's team made a great run this summer, but unfortunately, surrendering a nine nothing lead to the Pirates on Saturday kind of did them in. So I think they're two and a half back of the Cubs with five to go, but it's it's likely over. But at the same time, I didn't want to be a front runner. You know, you still got to support your team, but we're currently in a state of mourning. I, I've yet to talk to Sully yet, but I think he's just as just as downtrodden. I, I will say it, you've done a great job of wearing an outfit that doesn't really lean one way or the other. I mean, you got black and white top, purple shirt. Um, I was, by the way, I, I one of my favorite things, I've been doing a lot of watching old Ryder Cups lately, and the random colors of these outfits year to year, especially on the European side. But then I see Scotty Scheffler out yesterday wearing blue pants. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought the bright blue was European for sure, you know? We really need to stick to color schemes. Although I found out this week, the orange apparently has to do with the Europeans like apparel manufacturer. I guess it's like okay. color, which kind of explains that. But I saw the blue pants in person today and uh, they're fantastic. I gotta be honest. They, as telegenic as they look, uh, both online and TV, they're pretty special. I, I, I'm not one to steal things, but if there's some laying around, they might be coming back to the States with me. I mean, it's about to be pants season here, by the way. I just got back from doing KFT, and apparently it's just rained for like the last seven days in Connecticut. So um, not a lot of golf being had on this side. When did you get to Rome? What was your schedule like? Let's see. I left New York on Saturday in the middle of that trop- tropical storm. Fun. <laughs> like 10 minutes in, a lady next to me broke out a rosary, which I thought that was Oh, uh, there you go. Fine. I'm already a nervous flyer, and that didn't help. But I uh, got in here Sunday, did a little sightseeing, uh, which was kind of useless because I'm looking at the Coliseum, and all I'm thinking about is like potential pairings to the U.S. So I kind of just decided <laughs> to head back and do a little prep instead. But uh, yeah, uh, place is wonderful. Um, it's kind of odd. You you can't really tell you're in Italy at the course itself. Um, so that's a little odd. So I think people tuning in and expecting to see these beautiful vistas of vineyards and olive groves are going to be a little disappointed. But uh, overall, yeah, I think this is shaping up to be a fantastic Ryder Cup. I uh, I had a flight out. So I, I used to be a real nervous flyer. I'm not anymore. Thank goodness. I didn't really, I didn't like do anything to overcome it. I just kind of, I think at one point you get old enough where you're like, well, I mean, inevitably the door closes. It's either going to be good or bad, right? Um, let's just hope for the good. I had a flight. I was doing the Zozo. I guess this would have been last year. Leaving Japan was at the airport like way too early. And I was like kind of looking at the weather and it looked pretty bad in the area. And, you know, American pilots will come on and they'll give you the rundown and they'll tell you all about, you know, what's going to happen. And, hey, the first hour might be a little bumpy and then whatever. Uh, I just got on that flight. And it was a Japanese pilot. It was Japan Air. And all I could make out of the entire announcement as we were leaving was turbulence, turbulence. And I was like, <laughs> he said it twice in a row. That can't be good. And, uh, yeah, the first, like, hour was pretty bumpy, but then it smoothed out. But, yeah, when people start pulling out, like, the religious stuff on a flight, you're like, this, I don't, I mean, I, I know we're going to be okay, but does it make me feel better? Does it make you feel better? I get all the stats. I, I trust the pilots. I I understand the science. I think it's <laughs> the lack of control. Yeah, big stats guy. <laughs> I will say one of my first flights ever. This didn't help either. I was coming back from Orlando, doing a basketball trip, and we're on <laughs> JetBlue. And I was reading a book at the time about this Golden State scout who like got off a plane having a bad feeling, and like, the plane ultimately crashed. So I'm reading this book in the airport with wow. a great choice, and a guy on our plane gets off, and I'm thinking is. This isn't a good sign. <laughs> we <laughs> we go down the runway, and you know how usually they U-turn. This is great Ryder Cup prep, by the way. But as the, you know, most uh, planes U-turn. We go all the way down the runway. Apparently, the engine is like not working, so we have to use the entire runway to take off. We barely get up in the air, and the plane is just tilted. We're going maybe for thirty seconds. We start turning around, and at that point, I'm thinking, oh, we're just landing because this isn't working. And then we just go like in a forty-five degree angle up just straight up and then for 90 seconds i i legitimately thought i was gonna die so uh spoiler alert i didn't uh still so, here still kicking still here. in italy fired up to be have you been to italy before first trip first time first trip i uh, was scheduled to go in february of 2020 so that did not uh happen for obvious reasons so uh but yeah we're uh here for the first time i'm going to stay a couple days after the wife's going to meet me 
on Saturday here. Come watch a little bit of the proceedings, and then we're going to go up to Tuscany. So should be lovely. Awesome. Um, you wrote on Twitter yesterday a couple of observations about the golf course, so I wanted you to expand a bit on it. Uh, I watched the No Lane Up video. I've heard um, both people saying it's it's going to be a, like a lovely golf course in terms of looking at it from drone footage, and it might not be the best golf course that we've ever seen in terms of a Ryder Cup. What were your kind of initial takeaways walking around? What Are we saying, by the way, are we saying Marco Simone or are we saying Marco Simone? I'm going with Simone just because I've noticed when I use the Simone, uh, people then assume you speak Italian. And I know like four ah, times. Perfect. Perfect. Prego, prego. Uh, all right. So, so, so hit me with some of the golf course stuff that you've kind of walked away with first day out there. Well, I think you really touched on that dynamic. I think those watching at home, it's going to be, it's going to look really cool. Um, Cause there it is. Maintenance is superb. It's in pristine condition. Uh, there's a lot of water and bunkers and, there's nice Heather that kind of frames everything really well. Uh, the problem is not problem. I should say the upshot is it's a very maximalist design. Right. And I, I think I used Liberty and nationalist comparison. Yep, I saw that just, every fairway there, there's just not a, a flat surface in sight. And what was kind of odd is that the first eight greens or so, if anyone's ever been a castle course in St. Andrews, the undulation oh, is that severe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Joel, I played a, uh... I played Castle before they went in and softened some of the undulation. So I played it like the first year it was open. And I will never forget, I think 10 is the par three. I think yep. we made the turn. I was with my dad. And I at this point, I'd never made a hole in one. It was kind of a joke. And I flag one on 10 right at it. I was like, you know, and my dad's like, well, I'd have a chance. It landed three feet. It rolled out about five feet. And then I had about 80 feet for birdie. It, like it was it was probably two or three feet away from the hole, both when it landed and when it almost stopped rolling. And then it just kept trickling and just hit some hill and went down the hill. And I was like, "There, this probably isn't a great green. And they obviously have come in and softened it a bit. But yeah, Castle Course, if he, anybody that's played it, that comp is uh, is an interesting one to, to hear. I, I walked the course with my colleague, Luke uh, Cardin, and, and as we were doing that, it was very odd. Like the first seven or eight holes, we were like, we don't know. There's maybe a couple spots they can put pins here, but they can't get too creative because you're just going to have a mess on your hands. Um, I will say, though, like holes nine through 18, the greens are a little bit more receptive. Um, not as bad. Uh, kind of reminded me of Valhalla where you kind of know this is all artificial, but at the same time, Valhalla for all its knocks has really facilitated a lot of drama. Um, totally. History. And I think you're going to see that very similarly. There's three drivable par fours. Um, the par threes are pretty long. The par fives all have kind of water on them, but they're all reachable, especially with, with the direction of the wind. So, you know what, if this was a, I think uh, Victor Hovland said, this is a pretty bad stroke play course, but okay. from that play, it's going to be fine. Um, and, and, and let's be honest at, at the Ryder cup, we've had a lot of iffy venues before, so this is not new ground by any means. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to look great on TV and if the players level or excitement, no one's going to think twice about the course. Yeah. You know, the U S I mean, this is, I don't know if you saw this on social media, they didn't post much about it, but they went over on a scouting trip a couple of weeks ago. Um, really minimal amounts of stuff on Twitter about it and Instagram, but, uh, Max was over there. I texted him after and I was like, Hey, just give me a kind of a rundown of the golf course. And he was like, the rough is bananas. And I was like, U.S. Open style rough. And he goes, no, like bushes in your backyard level rough. Is it still like that? Is it still crazy high in, in certain areas? They've trimmed it down a little. Um, going back to Holland, it seems like a couple guys in the European team may have expressed worry about how bad it was. Okay, um, But it's still really patchy and the ball really sinks. It, it's I think Max was right. It's not a U.S. Open rough. But you can really like I can it's also there's some crabgrass in there mixed in as well, which is interesting because you can also go and get the ball sitting up in a couple spots. But uh, it's very patchy and it, it's just kind of sparse. So it, it'll be interesting to see. You won't see the same type of shots coming out of the rough, not only on the approach, but around the green, which I think will be really cool. I think short game creativity will really be key this week. Um, so I think in that that vein, the rough's going to be a, a primary storyline. Um, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as bad as it was in Paris a couple of years ago. Um, it's also the, the fairways, they're wide. If you miss them, it's definitely a penalty, but it's not that tight. So you can kind of spray the ball a little bit and get away with it. Um, but yeah, the, the rough will be the rough will be a storyline, just not as penal as we might be thinking. It'll just have this level of fickleness that I think will make it a lot more interesting. You wrote something on golfdigest.com about the home field advantages at these Ryder Cups and how 
I, you know, I, I, I thought for some reason, maybe I was wrong about this. I thought that this was getting lessened over the last few years. I thought they were kind of taking a bit of the reins away from the captains in terms of how they can set up the golf course. Is that not the case? Is that not been a deal? Because you wrote about how, obviously, I mean, everybody's talking about 93. It's been a long time since Americans have won on European soil. They do have their hand in terms of the way these golf courses are set up. And like you said, Victor Hovland and Rory come in and go, hey, let's cut the rough down. They're going to cut the rough down. Is it still up to kind of the home captain on the way the golf courses play? It is. And as well as, you know, the official, like both teams work with, uh, you know, different staff departments to kind of identify what, how, how, what type of confines can really maximize not only their player's strength, but maybe, you know, lessen their weaknesses as well. So the, the big thing we heard a couple of years ago was in 2018, it wasn't just that it was rough. It was, they made sure the rough it wasn't graduated because they realized a lot of Americans missed big. So instead of being bailed out by rough that had been trampled down by galleries and moved the gallery roofs back, all of a sudden guys who usually get bailed out are, are in trouble now. So um, we've heard a couple of things in terms of bunker placement that, that try to factor into the Americans. But this idea that the Europeans are more accurate than the Americans, is just a stereotype that doesn't exist right now. In fact, the Americans right. is more accurate. So uh, I think what you're going to see is they're trying to, I think Rory mentioned this a couple of times that they're trying to take the wedges out of the American players' hands. Like their stats department has kind of realized Europeans have better middle iron players and, and low iron players. But for the most part, it's it's not going to be as dramatic as a setup this year. So that was kind of my big takeaway, too, is that, you know, the greens are going to have to be slowed down to an extent just because the contours are so severe. Now that Europe usually plays their greens a little bit slower. But honestly, the way some of the Americans have been putting lately, like I think slower greens probably plays into their hand too. So I don't think the home field advantage is going to be as dramatic as we've seen probably since, you know, 2002, 2004. Is this one of your favorite events? I mean, is this high on your list? Hands down. It's okay. It's this, the open, the masters, but I honestly, the masters is almost good to put that in a separate, yep. separate category. But the fact that this happens only every two years that you're playing for something bigger than yourself, that you see a side of players you normally don't see, not just only in their interaction and camaraderie with their team, but just this idea that there's something very childlike about watching these guys go at it. And I think this just speaks like a spirit that a lot of golf, like as much as we love golf, let's be honest, we can't really relate to these guys. They play a game we're not familiar with, but I think we all, there's something about just the win and loss and playing for something other than yourself. That's just really endearing to this event. Um, Obviously, being in Rome doesn't hurt this year, uh, that, but it, it's just, I think it's my favorite, it's my favorite gathering just because you really appreciate it after the fact, and you're really lucky to be here. You're saying they play a game we're not familiar with. Didn't you hit 18 greens the other day in a round of golf? I mean, you hit every green. I know we're not going to talk about the putting, but you were 18 for 18 GIR, right? I, I was, and I also still finished over par, so. <laughs> well, listen, hey, Scotty Scheffler, baby. Yeah, I mean, right. listen, this is kind of, maybe you're the media version of Scotty Scheffler. Maybe that's what, that's what you are now. I'm a big Office fan. So I saw their reboot in the Office this morning. So a little <laughs> big news here. But uh, it was interesting. Though. Scheffler's been grinding on his putting. I mean, these are long weeks. They really are. They played 18 today. They're going to play nine um, tomorrow and, and, and Thursday as well. But you really don't see that much practicing this week from the guys because they are trying to stay fresh. Scheffler's been the exception. He's really been grinding. And uh, Phil Kenyon, I think he Phil Kenyon went out to see Scotty a couple of weeks ago and did two six-hour sessions of putting with him. So Scheffler definitely, to, to his credit, he is not, you know, I think in the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months, we've heard Scheffler, hey, you guys are kind of making this out to be something and it's not. Clearly, I think he's kind of come to peace with something's a little off. And he, he's not, you know, resting on his laurel. He's coming out. And the fact that he's putting this much effort in, to me, I think it's nothing but a good sign. I'm not saying the issues are going to be totally corrected, but it just shows you he kind of understands this is an issue, and more importantly, he cares so much to the point that he doesn't want to let his team down. Kind of like, you know, he was really the one down spot last year for the Americans at Quail Hollow. You know, listen, everyone has those weeks, but you kind of look at what happened. It was the putting there, too. So I think he doesn't want to see a repeat of that. He doesn't want to see a repeat of the past couple months. It'll be interesting, though, I think, on Friday, because if Scheffler, if it kind of goes south early in the putting, it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized on Saturday. You know, the the whole press conference schedule came out, and obviously these guys are coming up now and doing their pressers, and it felt like Zach Johnson pretty much laid it out like the teams were going to be and the pairings were going to be. I mean, it, it was interesting when we look at two years ago and the way the team was laid out, you kind of knew who was playing with with whom. And then as this team was getting picked, it was like, oh, wow, all these natural teams 
and pairings aren't there anymore. Now it feels like it's really natural to the point where it almost feel like you've kind of got the six pairings for the American side, and they're probably not going to split up much, maybe format to format. But do you get that sense? Like, does it feel like the six kind of pairings and the pods are all kind of dialed in and they're not going to deviate from that? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see any surprises either. As I've heard from a couple guys in the team, like, we're not going to waste energy on trying to, you know, hide anything. Um, and there's no reason to hide, honestly. Right. The firepower they have, you know, don't overcomplicate things. Don't, more importantly, don't kind of give the other team any any idea of bulletin board of, hey, they're trying to hide anything from us. Um, yeah, but not only are they natural, like, you talk to the stats guys, and these pairings actually work out, especially when it comes to, to force them. So, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously the the speed Thomas Xander Canley ones, the super pairings, everyone's really excited about. But it will be interesting to see how Thomas plays on Friday. Yeah, because I think he's on a little shorter lease than people realize. Not that we're going to see a you know only a single match until Sunday, but I think he's also kind of been told like, listen, like you got to show up and play. I mean, they're expecting him to, but. Don't be surprised if maybe that Thomas speed pairing is broken up on Saturday or Thomas only plays three times all week. Who do you see join in Jordan if they pull JT off? If JT doesn't play great on Friday and Jordan does, who is that likely person to fill in for Justin on Saturday? I think they've used Ricky a little bit as a swingman. Okay. I've heard a little bit too of Wyndham. Okay. That being said, they were not in the same pod today, so... We'll see. I think those are also kind of more contingencies rather than anything they really want to put in play. As you know, like you talked, and this is their job, obviously, but all these different iterations are great and for different scenarios. But at the same time, you also don't want to overthink the strategy. I mean, this has been their most successful pairing. So let's not screw with it. Let's not get too crazy. But at the same time, hey, like we're not just going to throw you out there rematch because you're Justin Thomas. So uh, to me, I think that's honestly the, the biggest thing to look for on Friday. You hinted at a, a potential media shuttle situation like the the PGA. Um, what's the what are we talking about in terms of time? You're on the bus. Is there Wi-Fi on the bus? Are you able no to Wi-Fi. knock out no Wi-Fi on the bus? That's a bummer. Are you able to, to maybe knock out some work, sleep? What are you doing on on, uh, on the what? And what are we talking about time wise? So a 15 minute ride took 90 minutes to yesterday on the way back. Okay, I think we left kind of in the jaws of rush hour, but then this morning. I left at a time I was told to get here in like 30 minutes, and that took like an hour, 15. Okay. So okay. I, I was told this morning there was pretty bad traffic. The European team actually had to arrive here through a police escort. I guess there were a couple wrecks. So um, I, I had colleagues who came a little bit later who said it was only 20 or 30 minutes, but uh, not been a great start on that front. The police escort for the Ryder Cup teams makes me laugh a lot. Like, I know I was joking about the preview video, but I mean, there's like four cop motorcycles driving the bus to the golf course like two three four weeks before the Ryder cup i mean are we are we really dealing with this much security guys like is this really a big issue for the for the golfers it's kind of hilarious too that we we saw one of the wrecks i didn't see any of the police around that so the fact that they were kind of pulled off like uh, hopefully not uh life issue situation instead we got we got to get these guys their photo shoot can't miss that so uh yeah sometimes i I wonder if we've taken this too far but at the same time it's also hilarious we've reached the point where uh, a team photo session requires a a police escort well i mean the taking it too far thing is interesting because you said i mean this is one of your favorite events to cover one of your favorite events in golf it's one of my favorite events in golf the solheim cup was so good last weekend like getting a chance to watch it and dive into it and see how much it means to the players but I, I do sometimes chuckle at like the earpieces, like their secret service members, you know, and how none of the players are talking about any of this stuff to media members because it's all kind of hush hush. And then the whole thing about no Netflix cameras in the team room, which I actually agree with, like it should be a bit of a sacred place. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily want to see what happens in there because I feel like as a kid, it was this imagination that made it a lot of fun to think about, are they playing ping pong? Are they hanging out? Are they drinking? Like what happens behind the closed doors? But like at the end of the day, I mean, it is a golf event. It's a three-day golf event. It's a great golf event, but I don't know. Sometimes it feels like we might take it a little too far in terms of how we handle this. Like it's an inauguration for a presidency or something. My my moment of that today was I was waiting on 17 T-Box and speaking with uh, Thomas, Cantley, and Xander, and they're coming from 16. And leading the charge was uh, Steve Stricker, who had a cart with his like name on it, 
I said like a vice captain Steve Stricker, almost like the same way pilots have their name stamped on Maverick. the Yeah. And I was just like, man, really? Like this is what we've gone to. Um, you know, I think there's also obviously the provincialism and then I think we're guilty. And I, I definitely throw the medianness of extrapolating so much from just one match. Like, what's it say about this guy? Totally. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like Victor Hovland played well at, at the uh twenty twenty one Ryder Cup. He didn't have a great record, but that doesn't say anything about him as a person, you know. He just played good golf and lost. So um it sometimes the noise is a little bit too much. But I, I do think we're in a better oh, I said this now, but I think we're in a better place. And I, I do I get the sense too so far from the people who've been here. Uh this is the first day they had fans on the ground. It just seems like everyone's happy to be here too. Okay. Some some team events, you know, you kind of worry like, oh boy, I feel like we're in a cauldron here where things could get a little over the top. It doesn't seem like there's many actually Italian people in the fans. It's a lot of people from Europe, but so far everyone's on their best behavior. So I do have high hopes that things will stay somewhat civil. That is until like Justin Thomas doesn't get like a three foot putt and all hell breaks loose. So it holds we'll that holds the shaft. Um, who's Ludwig going to play with? That's a good question. Um, I've heard two different things from guys both on the team. So going back to the idea of no one wants to give up their secrets, Aberg's been it's been really cool because for the past four, I mean honestly until two or three months ago, we kind of looked at the European team right, just not having the depth to stand up. Totally, at, totally. You know, hey, they got the they got the front line firepower, but man, eight through twelve could be rough. Now you look at it and like arguably the eleventh and twelfth or tenth and eleventh guys and Hogard and Aberg are like the most interesting guys on the team uh, and Aberg, that's a guy who you would think they're not counting on much. And then I've heard other people say like, he might play four matches. It's just, a, it's bananas. So, you know, Justin Thomas definitely has the most riding on this, but in terms of who people want to see it, it's Aberg. It's not even close. And, um, you know, I, the one guy I would, wouldn't be surprised if he goes with Hatton, but I've also heard that they might do everything to make sure that doesn't happen. So we'll see. Again. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that seems like a tough curveball for the kid. It's like, Go out with this guy that, you know, I mean, in team events, Tyrrell Hatton's whole persona works great for him in stroke play tournaments, but that stuff can wear on you, man. Like if your guy's like losing his mind and he's getting down and he's getting mad and he's saying he's the worst golfer in the world and you're his partner on the golf course playing two of the best golfers in the world on the other end, you know, and you've never been in one of these situations before. It could it could do a lot of things to Ludwig. So I would maybe advise against that just to somebody that's, right. you know, whatever, 4,000 miles away. Like, might maybe not the best move, but uh, it'd be very interesting. Somebody's got to play with Hatton, I guess. I know. He's another guy I'm kind of interested in because, you know, he his Ryder Cup record's not that great for a guy who's such a good ball striker. Um, and kind of coupled with his, you know, performance at majors or, or lack thereof, He's a guy who is so good, he just hasn't really shown it yet on the biggest stages. So, um, again, not exactly in the top three or four storylines, but, I mean, for the Europeans to win, like, Patton's now become a guy they're counting on rather than, like, the seventh or eighth guy on the squad. So, uh, I think he's definitely another guy that the first three or four, the first three sessions at least, how he does can really dictate how this could turn out. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 
314-436-0303 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Joel, Rory hasn't played great in the last couple of Ryder Cups. I think that's kind of been lost a bit. Didn't play excellent in Paris. Didn't play great, obviously, a couple of years ago. As we've seen with Rory McIlroy, and I went back and watched his match against JT in France, and Rory made nothing on in the fight in the singles match. Like his putter was ice cold. He hit it good, didn't hit it great, hit it good, made absolutely nothing. And that's kind of been the trend with Rory. When the event gets big, the major championships, when he gets close to contention on Sunday, the putter goes ice cold. Do you feel like you have to have a great Rory performance here for the Europeans to win? I do. It's, and you know, just to give context to what you said, I mean, he's lost seven of his last 10 matches going back to that Sunday match against Patrick Reed and Hazeltine. So, and for a guy who we kind of associate with this event, agreed, it is kind of, I don't want to say bananas because it's so hard to win. And, you know, sometimes it is predicated on how the guy you're playing with um, is performing, but yeah, it's, I still think Rom is their leader right now in terms of on the course, but if you're looking at like okay. the personal fulcrum, it, it's Rory. And it's also an interesting dynamic too, right? Of you have three or four guys in, in Poulter and Westwood and even Casey to an extent have kind of transitioned off now to the team. And those are guys who have big personalities. And and even though Rory was the best player of those, you know, the past three teams, he's not a guy who led by boys by any means. He's now been kind of thrust in that role a little bit. And he's definitely a guy who leads by example rather than making the rah-rah speeches. But at the same time, like, you know, if he plays four matches and only gets a point and a half, that's a hole I don't see the Europeans being able to dig out of. Who needs to play well on both sides for each team to win? Like, who's your number one guy on both sides that you feel like has to have a two and a half to four and a half point week to to basically help the team bring home the cup? Yeah, if Rom has a losing record, I just don't see any scenario. Yep, I agree with that. The Americans, you know, like, it's funny, like, Scheffler is seemingly that guy, but maybe it's because of the putting issues. Maybe I don't put him quite in that category and the fact that, you know, he played pretty poorly last uh, last President's Cup and the Americans did just fine. I think their depth gives them a little bit more latitude in that front. But the, the one guy who was really sticking out to me was Xander Shoffley. I mean, he's had so much okay. success with Cantley. But at the same time, and, uh, you know, I think we're just kind of already, when we hear Xander and, and Cantley, we're just, we pencil in the points, right? But I think he's also got to the point now where he's maybe their second best player on, on paper. And don't get me wrong, Cantley's had a really good year too. But I think you can throw both those guys maybe in the same path. Of, for the U.S. to really do well, both those guys have to show up and not only perform when they're together, but take care of business too on, on Sunday. Kyle Porter asked this on Twitter last week. What's a single matchup that you hope to see on Sunday? I wrote, just so you know, I wrote Jordan Rory. I mean, I feel like in a weird way that – those two guys have kind of been forgotten as like this generation's dudes, you know, like so many guys have popped up. Scotty obviously came on the scene a couple of years ago, Rom, and you have these young guys, relatively young guys that have kind of almost taken the reins, but the two names that you still lean on are Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy. And, you know, I mean, you go back to whatever that was, 2016 masters and Rory shoots 77 on Saturday and didn't make a birdie. Like, we haven't got a lot of Rory Jordan, and I just think it'd be great to see those two in singles when it mattered. Their games are so different. Their personalities are so different. The fans would be so hyped. Like, I just feel like you might get regular golf fans listing five matchups that they'd rather see over Jordan Rory when, in reality, if they got Jordan Rory, it's almost like you don't realize how good the meal is until you taste the first bite. And, like, that to me is just one of those sensational meals that would kind of hit some taste buds that you didn't know existed. I agree. I agree on all fronts. My only worry there is Spieth has been, he struggled in singles, not only at the, at the Ryder Cup, but the President's Cup. You know, when he won at Quail Hall last year, that was his first time winning a, a Sunday singles match in either format. So I guess I just worry a little bit if, if Spieth would be up for the task of that. Um, it's weird, though. For my answer, though, I, I, I'm i sticking with Rory, but I'd add Justin Thomason. I've, I've wanted to see the rematch there. Okay. I mean, Rory is the face of the European team. I mean, he's the face of golf right now, right? And for all the stuff that he has gone through the past two years, to then kind of pit him against Thomas, who has all this stuff riding on him, given his, you know, the criticism that came with his selection, and having those two kind of play at a later later time, not the first off, but like when it really kind of comes down to it, to me, I think that would be my, my dream scenario. 
runner up though, I'd 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 probably put Rom and Cantley. Oh, interesting. I was gonna say Rom Scotty, like just because of the year and a half they both had. But yeah, I like Rom Cantley. That, that's that's fun. That's not bad either. I just think Canley has a little bit more red ass in him. And yep. I think it would make for a little good agitation with the crowds. Um it, yeah, Scotty Scotty's just too nice a guy, unfortunately. I, I think know, that's I the know. thing. I don't think he'd be he's not a guy you can really enrage the opponent. So um but the theatrics Rory can produce and the drama he can get people stirred up. Canley's also just a bad man. He was cold and he's a guy that can back it up too. So I think that'd be my runner up, but yeah, a Rory Thomas thing I think would be a, a great end to this thing. Do you think Rory now with Wyndham Clark kind of going down the blocky avenue and saying, you know, like my game might be better than Rory? Do you think Rory wants Wyndham in a in a sneaky way on Sunday just to be like, let me go beat this guy five and four? Like, what's he talking about? You know, I so I initially saw those comments to go, what was that? But then you listen to them, and you know what? It, they were baked in respect and, yeah. and baked in. Yeah, I, I know, but you still said it. You know what I'm saying? Like. He still said it, I, but I think that's, you know, what answer would you want to say? I, yeah, I don't think there point. was inflammatory. Um, I haven't expected to see him, like, outside the property, like, signing autographs like Pete Rose during Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, he, he, he helicopters in on, on Friday morning. That would be a really good, like, boy by the U.S. team to have, like, Blocky as a caddy for whoever Rory's playing against. <laughs> And just every just loudly talking about wedge shots when Rory hits a bad one. Like, you gotta take spin off. Like, what are you doing with that one? Just have him talk about his hole in one on Sunday, uh, the entire time. Oh, that would be I love Zach Johnson, but I don't think he's got that gear. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be epic to see a blocky cart, right? Just just to like just really see how many people's kitchen he can get under. I bet people didn't think they were gonna get this much blocky talk in a Ryder Cup um preview. Uh a couple more things I just wanted to get to. You said something I find interesting because I do think this is the case. You said Scotty Scheffler's so nice. It feels like this is like 24 nice guys. You know, like you mentioned a couple of the European guys that were easy to rub. JT can get under people's skin, but like we don't have Patrick Reed. You know, we don't have Ian Poulter. We don't have Sergio. We, we, we have a lot of dudes that are pretty chill and pretty easygoing. Who do you feel like is most likely on either side to say something, do something this week that would elicit a bit of controversy? Because it's going to happen. Like, it happens every team event. Without a doubt, it always is going to happen. It's always a part of this event. Who is that person that's going to say a comment, going to do something, not give a putt, that you feel like will fire the other team up, fire up their best player? So Justin Thomas did say today he thought the Australians were more rockets than Europeans were in 2018. There you go. There you so go. that was that was something. Um, I still probably say Thomas just because at, at Whistling Straits, man, he I, there were a couple points where I felt like he had watched a lot of like WWE. How how do you, how do you play to the crowds? Uh, <laughs> I, I still think it's him. For the Europeans, I think it's Shane Lowry. He was the guy who got tested a couple times at Whistling Straits. Yeah, also, you're right. uh, lack of concession to putts. Um, he's also a guy, and I and I love this. You know that is fraternal as, as professional golf is right now. Lowry kind of seems in that old school, like they're the opponents. I'm not talking to them until after the fact. Um, Hatton's like that a little bit too, but you know Hatton's on good terms with everybody, and Lowry is too. But I think Lowry really has this side that I don't I don't think people realize he has. Um, so I can see Lowry really not only with actions, but also he, he's he's not he's not afraid to celebrate when things are going well too. I can see that pissing some of the Americans off. So I, I I'd go with Lowry and Thomas. Uh, how's media dining? Is it just it's a regular? Me- okay, what are we what are we talking? Like, what's the spread like? So I think today we had meatballs, some spaghetti, nice, uh, like these little desserts that. I mean, it, it's it's out of control, and uh, I've I've somehow I've somehow gained more weight already in three days than I thought. Like I've already <laughs> fifty pounds in the past year. Now it's like I'm gonna have to buy a whole new wardrobe. Um, I I came in thinking like, listen, it's still gonna be media dining. Like, don't complain. But they've they've gone. It's been pretty awesome. It's like the exact opposite of the Open Championship dining, where it's like you're lucky if you get like a cold fish. This has been all nothing. But, and they even have like a little coffee machine that does lattes and cappuccinos. It's it's top notch. I always love to hear good media dining. That's what people listen to this podcast for is what is it like for Joel Beal to eat? And, uh, and what, what is it like to exist in, uh, in Italy? You know, this is just going to be your best week, man. I mean, I'm fired up for you. 
We'll, we'll, I'm supposed to go to dinner with Porter. We'll make sure we send the uh, culinary uh, culinary delights your way tonight via photo. Please do make sure his face looks normal on photos. You'd hate to see a St. Andrews situation again with uh, with Kyle and the, whatever happened with the demon taking over his uh, his face and photos for a bit. Uh, so um, when you cover these things, you've covered multiple President's Cups and Ryder Cups. How many how many is this for you? Do you know? Five, I think now. Five or six. What, what's your plan? Because, I mean, you know, like people don't understand this. The Ryder Cup and the President's Cup is actually not a great event to go watch in terms of viewing because everything's so concentrated, especially, you know, Friday and Saturday. Do you go follow one match? Do you bounce around? Like, how do you kind of handle keeping an eye on on multiple things happening on the golf course? Yeah, so at least for um, Friday and Saturday, you kind of go – or Friday at least, you kind of go on with these ideas of what can I do that's maybe not predicated off of score. Okay. Now you can you have to change that at a moment's moment, which isn't you know not that hardest thing to do because there's only four groups on the course at a time. Um, but you know, I, I the way I look at it is like I want to try to justify why I'm here. Like to just write off the score, I feel like is missing the point. Okay. So yeah, you always try to think of something a little bit outside the box. Come Saturday, um, I feel like that's usually the day when there's some agitation. So then you can kind of get into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's that's what that's what's cool though because sometimes again we get you can extrapolate something that's not there um especially the access isn't super great for those um covering the event the, the players are really they try to you know which i get they try to respect their privacy and you know get let them focus on the event but you really i feel like kind of earn earn your pay this week and try to think outside the box and do something that you don't see on every other outlet so it's it's hard there's definitely pressure because of that but it's also fun it's like this is why we get into it right um and then sunday is the day you are a little bit let's follow the score and see how this plays out and what what can we so at that point you are a little beholden to the leaderboard um and that that is can be chaos because you are you're trying to hop around all these different matches and even though it's probably more conducive to sit in the media center like again that's there's people at home that can see that so what, what can i tell people at home that they can't see on tv so uh, long-winded, long-winded answer. I know, but uh, it, it's fun, man. I, I, this is, it's. We're really lucky to do what we do, me and you. Um, and this, this is one of those weeks. Like we, we shouldn't need weeks like this to remind us, but it's, it's hard not to just feel very thankful to be a part of this. Who wins? I think it's Europe. I think it's close, but I think it's fifteen, thirteen Europe. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm almost exactly aligned with you. I think similar score. Um, I think the Europeans win again. Um, I've been. I've been keeping an eye on the odds as they've just slowly changed, you know, over the last four or five months. I remember, I think it was like May, Europe was like plus 150, you know, to win this thing. And now it's about even money. So uh, it's been, you know, I, as I always say, follow Vegas. They have a pretty good idea and indication of how things are going. But I mean, Ludwig, Rory, JT, Jordan, Scotty's putting, Rom, Victor playing excellent golf, like Cantley Xander, Max. How are these major winners from this year on the American side going to do like the storylines are so abundant and that's all without having DJ here coming off five and oh Bryson wishing he was a part of this and Bryson always bringing whatever goofy ass stuff Bryson's going to bring to these things like there is a lot to talk about and I'd say is it's as anticipated a Ryder Cup as I can remember and I do feel like that's just going to be the case going forward is I think until either America wins on European soil or somebody has a run like we've seen on the Solheim Cup where you win like three in a row. I just feel like these things are going to continue to be extremely anticipated because you get it once every two years, it's three days, and it's the it's arguably the best event in golf. You know, it's just it's going to be awesome to wait for. I think it helps, too, that we have a generation of guys on both sides in their prime that really enjoy this, too. You know, like, obviously, we don't need to relitigate that for, you know, a lot of the Tiger era, it was – the Americans maybe not weren't fully invested or the camaraderie wasn't quite there or they're just, Hey, this, this was an exhibition to them. Like no one here is calling this an exhibition. Um, so many guys that, you know, as Max has talked about so many, like this was like, this is a goal for his, you know, like before it was an obligation for some guys like this, there's whole seasons that are leading to this. So um, it, it's really cool. Cause I think every shot means something, you know, it's not just, there's no money attached, but that's, that's kind of the point, right? Cause like, what's, what's on the line can't be bought. And I think that's what makes it so special. Um, I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't see how this is going, especially considering the next Ryder Cup is in Beth page. I that, that's, <laughs> feel hyped, a little hyped. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then after that, you know, going back to Ireland, so it's going to be, I think we're, we're in a really cool era of the Ryder Cup. Um, and yeah, it would help if the U S can win. We're on the road, but um, certainly if they lose, like, 
2025 is not going to be <laughs> not going to be any less hype because of it. Well, I mean, the, it's interesting. It's interesting because when you go back to to Tiger and and Phil and I think it was Davis Love or whomever and Duvall, they were making a lot of money. I mean, like let's not say they weren't making a lot of money. I mean, these guys that were having great seasons, especially Tiger and the early 2000s. I mean, he's making you know six, seven, eight, nine million dollars on the golf course for a great season, right? But that has obviously changed, and money now. It's just simply not a thing these guys have to think about in any capacity, right? If you've gone to live, if you're Brooks Kepka, you got paid whatever, nine figures, whatever the case may be, like your life is set forever financially for the rest of your life. But if you're a PGA Tour guy that's playing in the Ryder Cup with PIP and everything that comes with elevated events and all that, finances are just not a thing. Like you're worth $100 million. And this is simply the one thing you can play in and play for that for whatever reason gets your juices flowing differently. And I think to your point about this generation is the last generation went through this time where financial part of golf was a thing. And now it's just not something to think about. And so maybe this is like the last thing that really gets them going winning a major competing in a major is going to matter, but you're not always going to be in that situation. Like you're lucky if it happens once a year, even if you're Rory or John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler, like you truly might be in one major a year, but in this environment, you know, for three days, it's you're in it. You're absolutely in it. I loved what I think it was Jordan said. This is like being on the 16th hole at Scottsdale, but in the, but if it was like every hole was like that, it's like you're in the final three or four holes of a major championship on every swing and that's what these guys want to play for and live for. And outside of the one or two times a year in a major that they might find themselves in contention, this is kind of it. And I, I, I just find that for whatever reason, like really fun to view, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, speed, it's funny. He's never a guy to make those type of proclamations and certainly not one for hyperbole. So like when he says that, you know, it's coming, <laughs> it's coming from internal, you know, it's, it's, coming deep down yeah it's it's just really interesting like especially the past two years everything it seems like has just had a dollar sign on it yep it's great like one of the greatest weeks of the year money is not mentioned at all which you know i think is indicative of, of both what these guys think and what and how fans say it's, it's a nice respite not saying that it, it solves all but it's just nice to kind of get away and like remember oh yeah this is like a game it's nice to see these guys care too i think sometimes we can get a little callous and think this is all about it's all business it's they're just making business decisions and you can get really skeptical and cynical that way. And to see these guys, though, not just go through the motions and really, I mean, that, that 2021 Rory reaction afterwards on Sunday, him just kind of coming undone. I, I mean, what a perfect avatar for this event, just to show you, this is a guy who has everything. One of the majors has money, has the respect of everybody. And yet just the simple fact of his teammates putting him still out there after Harrington thought maybe we take him out at first spot what that meant to Rory. Gosh, if anyone asks you why you get excited about the Ryder Cup, that, that's the club to show them because it's it's something that not only shows them, but it mirrors what I think a lot of us feel too, um, both as media and fans. And you're not going to get that type of reaction finishing second in a major, you know? Um, this is, it, it's just, it's really cool to see what this what this has become. It's, I'm, obviously there is commercialism around it, but there's something just so pure about this event that can't be replicated and, uh, Listen, when you have something special, you kind of know it. And I feel like that's what's that what makes this week so great. Yeah. I hope Rory has a good week. I'm a little bit nervous for him, but I hope he has a great week and I hope he goes out there and plays well. It's just listen, I mean, two years, you know, I mean, just like kind of thinking about this for two years and the buildup and what we've seen with Rory over the years, uh, when it matters the most, uh, hasn't it's brought out really good Rory, but it hasn't brought out great Rory. And there's a big difference in those two people. And uh that can be the difference in the cup. So hopefully I'm wrong, but I just want to say I'm slightly nervous about McElroy this week. And again, I hope I'm absolutely wrong on that. Joel, I uh, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. You did a great job for the media center. I thought you nailed it. Uh, where can people read you, find you, follow you, uh, DM you, see your tweets from the media shuttle. <laughs> just golfdigest.com. Uh, Twitter is Joel and Beal. And then uh, yeah, I say, once I get back, let's uh, get around to Brookline and together. I know we got to get it in before there's leaves falling, my friend. It's uh, it's nearing. I'll, I'll know that, but uh, we'll do it. Joel, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the pasta and, uh, and your time in Rome. Thanks buddy. A big thanks to Joel for hopping on. Make sure you follow everything. Joel's going to write this week on social media. You can go to golfdigest.com and read all of his 
writing, one of the best golf writers in all of the world and one of my favorite people in all of golf. Have a great week. Get up early, set those alarms. We only get the Ryder Cup once every two years, and it's only three days. So make sure you can get in as much as you can while it's here because it'll go away, and then you know we got to wait till 2025 in Beth Page before we see it again. Have a great week. We'll check back on Sunday night with a recap. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.